What's up, Double DM listeners? Welcome to episode 41 of Double DM. I don't want to keep you guys too long, but I have to talk about some stuff. First up, Why Your World Matters is available as a podcast now, and you can listen to that right now. Well, after this episode, that is. Sage had a lovely talk with five other amazing content creators out there, and you should listen to them too. Next up is we at Double DM want to say thank you for 3,000 Twitter followers, which is honestly more than we imagined to make in our first year on Twitter. Next up on the agenda is that I tell you that Screwdiver's new song is out. He's the creator of our intro and a lovely friend of ours as well. His new song Powder can be listened to on Spotify right now. We'll also hear a short sneak peek in this episode. So let's get right on with that episode. But one last thing obviously, you know, it's me asking you to give us a nice review, follow or star rating. If you want to book ad slots on the show, direct message us on Twitter for more information. And with that, have fun with this episode about murder mysteries. Thank you. So, hello and welcome to Double DM episode 41. With me is my lovely co-host Emil. How are you today? I'm doing very fine. It was an early, early morning. Yeah, it was. I have to get used to that somehow in the next few, in the near future. I mean, it's fine if I go to sleep early enough, which I didn't. Yeah, that's exactly the problem, right? Going yeah. to sleep early enough. I mean, I have a normal sleep schedule, but... It's not good enough for when I have to wake up for 8 a.m. Yeah, it is passable enough, but not for the early stages of the day. Mm-hmm. So, coming back to TTRPGs. Did anything TTRPG-related happen with you, to you, from you, whatever, in the last week? Um, yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah, I was about to. I was yawning and didn't <laughs> want to yawn for for the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, it did. We had a talk with one of my uh, groups. We had a talk about the campaign, how it's going to continue and stuff. We were playing for so long that, yeah, we just needed to refresh everyone's expectations, talk about uh, maybe new table rules we have uh, for going forward, um, how we want to end this and how we want to play this out and all of that stuff and it was a good talk it was a very good talk it was everyone at the table i think agreed on core things that make ttrpgs ttrpgs and yeah we i think we found a very good consensus and i can't wait to play with that group again understandable uh is it the phantoms of chaos group no phantoms of chaos is um is uh not happening until december again i see Mm -hmm. We switched to our new schedule, which is once every month for eight hours or roughly eight hours. Mm -hmm. And we had one on Halloween and we didn't find a good um, date in November. So we said, okay, we don't do November, but we do December before everyone goes into Christmas and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we said 12th of December, that, that Sunday, we're going to play again and try to hammer this mystery we still have open home and then open up some path into the future <laughs> into yeah that unt thing that unt temple discovery thing and all of that stuff all right sounds uh, like a good uh, like a good ttrpg week yeah it, it was a good week let me ask you what did happen to you i started playing in a campaign as a player no way you actually got that <gasps> yeah, I did. Um, oh in a Curse of Strat campaign, actually. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. I misread some messages. Um, because we're we are playing with some people from Canada. I misread some messages, and now I am in the mist in Barovia. What the fuck is happening? Basically, no. this. We said we wanted to play Sunday evening at eight p.m. Okay, but I got a message. The, uh, of the party composition and in this comp uh, in this message sent mm -hmm, is not playing today 
So I misread the message as the group is not playing today. So I was 20 to 30 minutes late after I realized, oh shit, it was just the one player that couldn't play today. <laughs> so I had to um, put together a character real quick, which I had a character concept in mind. But yeah, now I'm playing Thread and Crack, Cackbreaker, the dwarf barbarian. One of the classic combos. Yep. I don't know what path I'm going to take, but I think I, I wanted to play a dwarf sometimes, so I took just took the chance. And yeah. So I'm you're playing with people in Canada. Do you play in English, German? Yeah, in English. Okay. Do I know anyone from that group? I don't think so. You may have interacted with some of them on my server on Discord, but Okay. I yeah, no, you don't have to obviously name the names, but I just wanted to know if I know them or not. I don't Okay. So. okay. At okay. least not personally. Well, that's interesting. So you 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 then played Curse of Strahd. Yeah. Uh, the first that was the first session, right? Or was it exactly? Okay. Uh, what has happened? How were you? How were you hooked into Barovia? The thing is, I I always hear people talking about how they played Curse of Strahd. I think it's the most played adventure for D and D fifth edition. At least it feels like it. And. What I always see when I look at that, because I never actually read Curse of Strahd, and, and I don't intend to run it ever, I think. I, mm. I at least have no plans yet. I, I, I never really got into how do you actually hook players into doing that. It's always like you have this mist, like in the Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft book, which I own, that, that it talks a lot about, about the mist and the domains of dread, right? And basically, this Barovia is a domain of dread from Strahd, and your players are trapped in it and need to get out. But that's a general hook premise. But how do you actually hook them after that? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure yet because we started with the Death House. Oh, you started with the Death House. I, I know the Death House. Yeah, that, that's what we started with and we are still in it because we had some great roleplay and blah, blah, blah. That took longer than expected. And yeah, so I'm excited to see how we get hooked into this whole mm -hmm. mess that may turn out to be curse of, the Curse of Thrad. Huh? You see what I did there? <laughs> it it already happened at the first combat encounter where we fought an animated armor and we have a paladin, a rogue, a barbarian and a warlock. That's that's a general that, that that's a really normal party. Yeah, and then the last player will be a druid. So we have we have a good spectrum of everything and yeah, pretty standard and normal without any major shenanigans. Um but fighting against this animated armor was weird. The three melee classes didn't hit a single thing. It happens, I know, but then the warlock came with just his dagger, without even using spells, and damaged the armor. For two or three rounds, everybody missed except the warlock, just poking with his dagger. It was hmm, weird. It, f it felt mm -hmm weird everybody was mashing against the armor with hammers and swords and maces and then the warlock just poked and deals some amount of damage against the plate armor so yeah yeah it's dnd y'all it's yeah it's, it's y'all. the will of the dice yeah but from there some great roleplay moments came along and then we sadly had to stop. One thing we can talk about i don't know if you watched it but it's arcane I haven't watched it yet because I want to wait till everything is out to binge it in one go. I just heard it was great. And Paul... I need to control myself to not spoiler, know, you know. know. And Paul, the friend who made our intro, already composed a song inspired by Arcane. Oh my god, that's quick. He's about 75% done with it. And yeah, it is... I just want to listen to it on repeat because I'm a little fanboy for his music and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, if all of the music is like this, I am instantly into I it. I mean, you can listen to the music without any spoilers from Arcane. Yeah, I am going to do that. <laughs> like, like, like Goodbye gets me every time. I will give it a listen right after this recording. Oh my God. All of the music gives me, gives me, gives me chills every time. The music is beautiful. The characters are well written. The story is beautifully orchestrated or put together. The scenes are oh, perfectly designed. Like Riot Games, Fortiche and Netflix knocked it out of the fucking park with this one. I think that's the best animation series I've watched in like 10 years. Yeah, I heard, I heard that every frame is basically a masterpiece of art and composition and music and everything. I mean, wow. it's so 
beautiful. It's and I mean in every aspect, beautiful music, story, characters, and just looks generally. Oh my god, it's like we wanted to stay up to like 3 a.m. for that, right? You were yeah, there yeah, yeah. when we did that. I know. You were there for the last minutes and, and we said no. And I regret that decision <laughs> so much saying no and not trying to stay alive for until like 3 a.m. to watch it when it instantly airs because, oh my God. We had this Saturday, we, we did some stuff. We had a par more or less a party here with me, a gathering of friends, watched a little bit, did a little, had a fun, played games, watched more, blah, blah, blah. Did some stupid stuff. Went to sleep and I woke up and I, the whole day was me just chilling. And right at, at, at some point I just, I ordered Chinese, no, no, I ordered Ch Thai food. Mm-hmm. Set myself on the couch on with a with a, with a very big uh, with with a forty six inch TV and just watched it in pure darkness as well. I don't know why because Whoa. there was there was like it was the perfect day to stay in and do nothing but watch a cane, and it yeah. was so amazing. Yeah, I may have to look into it a bit quicker after all the praise I'm hearing from it. <laughs> I mean, you can. I mean, waiting is fine, but I think the arcs itself alone work yeah you, you don't you don't like i don't know how they are planning to do it but i think the arcs are not necessarily too much connected and tell three big different storylines with a lot of things in the background but like it's not that far anymore to the 20th so yeah i mean you can wait i can but do i want to after <laughs> hearing all know. this um i'm not de i'm definitely not downloading the three episodes right now so i can watch it on my way to work today no no who would do that <laughs> not me <laughs> I, I mean i am planning to rewatch it already uh the first three episodes i know i don't know this friday already because i really really loved it yeah i will definitely watch it today on my way to work <laughs> uh, i mean no i won't no 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 not convinced him <laughs> Yeah. I and on your way back, you can watch the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. And in my break, I can watch one episode on my way there, one episode in my break, and one episode when I come back. Done. They're all and around Saturday. 40 minutes long, so... Yeah. I have to stretch a bit then. <laughs> nah. Uh, ah. My boss will understand. <laughs> my boss will watch with you. Yeah, probably. Probably he would, actually. <laughs> but different story def def definitely text me when you when you when you get finished with episode three and if you cried or not yeah i will i because, will because oh my god oh my god <laughs> yeah oh my i oh can't my say god. much more about it i'm just saying yeah. oh my god because i'm i'm still so like i expected something good but i was surprised by how good it actually was that's that's perfect yeah it is I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Shall we get into the episode? I think we should get into our episode. We're talking about murder mysteries today, right? I think so. Yeah, we are. Um, okay, so first of all, a quick message from our sponsors, and then we will see you back with murder mysteries. The Contract is a tabletop role-playing game about ambitious people who go on deadly missions for fantastic powers. With a focus on outside-the-box problem-solving, rotating game masters and self-contained missions, The Contract is like Game Master Bootcamp. Hop on their Discord server anytime and GM for players who are ready to risk the lives of their beloved characters. The Contract is available 100% for free online at thecontractrpg.com. Drop-in friendly, no-commitment sessions are run daily in their Discord server. Hey everyone, Editing Emil is here. You will now be listening to a short snippet from Powder, our friend Screwdivers, who made our intro. It's a new song. This is his new song, you can listen to it, and if you want to listen to the whole thing, go to the link in the description right at the top, where we link to his Spotify. Yeah, enjoy.
And with that, welcome back to the episode. Let's get into the topic. Today we talk about... Dabbing, no, murder mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. It will be a good one. Uh, so yeah. let's just get right into it. Okay. The first question I have for you would be, what is a murder mystery? Well, it has two things in the name, murder and mystery. And basically, those are the two components you have for a murder mystery. You have a murder and a mystery behind it. So think the often known scenes or movies or whatever where you have a murder and you need to find a murderer. Often, it's also in an enclosed space. So basically, uh, Murder on the Orient Express is one of the best examples I can think of, right? You have a murder, you need to find the killer. You have a certain set of people in that murder mystery that are part of it, and one of them is it, and everyone knows it, basically. I think that adds a lot to it. But basically, it's just a murder and a mystery behind that murder. It's just... A thriller, a crime thriller, mm -hmm. just something like that. You have a murderer, you need to find the murderer, that's it. Another great example would be the board game Clue, or Cluedo for everyone outside of the US. Yeah. So this is basically a game about a murder mystery. Yeah. There was a murder, you don't know who did it, how they did it, and why. That's mm -hmm. something you need to find out. The why is debatable to the extent of mm -hmm. you don't need the motivation or you don't need to find yeah. the motivation to find the killer, but everything else, it makes it easier to find the killer. Mm -hmm. So while we're already on examples for murder mysteries, right? What do we want to really be a murder mystery? So what are the key things a murder mystery needs to have? It needs to have a murder and the solving of that murder, right? But are yeah. there any other things that actually play into this? You need the setting in general to be fit for a murder mystery mm -hmm. because you can't put a murder mystery everywhere. Yeah. And you need a, a specific set of characters, which shouldn't change over the mystery. Mm -hmm. you, you're more or less a constant group of PCs and NPCs. And of course, uh -huh. really important to solve uh, to solving mystery mysteries are clues. Yeah. So, so those are basically the components of a murder mystery session or adventure yeah i think for me the best murder mysteries are the ones that work in an enclosed space like you said that don't add anything later on mm -hmm. which i think is why for example knives out is a great movie because you have this big house all of the people that are in that house are suspects period yeah and then they introduce only two more NPCs, which are the two detectives. One from Interpol and one from the local police department. Those are the only two NPCs that are actually not part of the suspect list. They are very minor ones, obviously, to fill scenes and create backstory. But basically, you have only these NPCs. And, and that really creates this great set of characters that do not get changed over the time over time it's a static set of characters part of that murder mystery and basically because f there's a reason why they do this in movies and books and games and whatever and all because you can only have so much characters for people to focus on if you have a suspect list of over 100 people for a murder case which in the real world may be possible very much possible probably even yeah that's just not it's not catchy enough. Yeah, it, it just isn't compelling for viewers, listeners, or players. And it's the same for TTRPG players, right? It's not compelling yeah. if you have a murder at a ball and your players have to investigate 120 different subjects. With all possible reasons to have done the killing. Yeah. It's just too much to focus on. Yeah, Even if is. you are great at note-taking, you don't want to take notes on 120... No. Different NPCs you or can't. NPC suspects. You need to if you are in the police in the real uh, in the real world. You need to do that, but not in a TTRPG world because yeah. reality can be whatever of, you yeah. want in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's also one of the points I wanted to focus on today because just with like the heist session type that we talked about uh, a few episodes back, same goes for this. Most TTRPG players or their characters rather are not made for murder mysteries. Right, if you put it into a campaign, not the not all the characters will be good at solving mysteries, at solving murders. Exactly. But it, it is a challenge for or it poses a challenge for your party to find a use for those who aren't specifically built for that. Or find a way to still solve the mystery. Yeah. Even a stupid barbarian can be helpful. Yeah. 
But I mean, exactly, like you have the stupid barbarian that can also be helpful in a heist, right? You, sometimes you just exactly. need brute force, right? And that's why I love TTRPGs, because everyone can contribute to the plan normally if they want to, and yep. if the other players let them. But the thing is that, especially for players, just with the heists, right? There's a disconnect barrier between player and player characters. Players oftentimes are not the best at solving murders, right? Yeah. Right. You don't have a table of police officers or detectives that you then play murder mysteries with. This would be a fun one. If that would you probably be that. a very fun one. And like, if there is a police department that wants to hit us up and do this, I would gladly be the DM for that one or Neil's yeah. be the DM for that one, probably. We'll craft and something together. Yeah, there, because we have to put our brains together to. I just want to say, right, if yeah. if there is the option available, I would gladly yeah. volunteer as tribute for this. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, players might not work like after the normal scheme you would think, and that's something you need to realize for murder mysteries when thinking of how the murder did, how the murderer did it, how what happened, what clues you place. You need to think about. Are these clues obvious enough? Because some clues may be so subtle that your players won't pick up on them because they are not trained to pick up on these clues. Exactly. And and that can be a big problem for murder mysteries and why I often see murder mysteries fail sometimes when I read stories on Reddit or something. People say that the players just didn't pick up on their clue and didn't deduce something. Yeah, because most players are there for basically a fun experience and murder mysteries can be very complex. So it's definitely yes. something where you need to balance the complexity of it. Or not the com right complexity, the expected mental acrobatics your players have to make need to be rather on the level your players can make, right? You can make yeah. it hard for them, but you can't make it impossible for them. And that's why I think you need to know your players yeah. for a good murder mystery. Exactly. I think in general with all the more specific session types, mm -hmm. you need to know your group better than just... Uh, for example, in an adventurous league group. Yeah. You need to know how your players think to pose mm. challenging enough challenges without making it too impossible. Though I will say, you can probably run good murder mysteries at adventurous league, but you probably have to then make a lot of adjustments that it actually works for basically every group because that's what you plan for, right? You plan to yeah. run a game for basically everyone. And that's something different than when I play at my home table, know my players for over five years and know how they play, I can cater to that playstyle so we all have the great experience of playing this game in a murder mystery way. Exactly. So yeah, then I want to throw a question to you. Mm -hmm. What is important for a murder mystery? Hmm. Without repeating, obviously, the murdered person, mm -hmm. the murder, uh, the murderer, so mm -hmm. the motive for the murderer, mm -hmm. the setting in general, the clues, the suspects. Yeah. The ability of someone to commit a crime is the means, the reason someone commits a crime is the motive, the chance or availability of resources for the crime to be carried out is the opportunity, right? You need motive, opportunity and means for a murder uh, yeah. or a crime to happen, right? Yeah. So basically, you need to have these three things uh, okay. for the murder yeah. itself. But yeah. for the murder mystery, there are these three things actually aren't that important for me. Yeah. What is way more important for me is the crime scene. Like if you have, you can have several crime scenes, right? Over time in the murder yeah. mystery. But the first crime scene needs to be your big moment. Because if that doesn't catch on, the murder mystery will not catch on. Your players need exactly. to be compelled by this first crime scene. And I mean really compelled. And this first crime scene needs to be well thought out. It should make sense in an integral structure. So if there are too many clues that basically contradict each other, the crime will never make sense. Even if your crime makes sense for you, when you have all the clues laid out and your players find two clues that contradict each other, those both of those clues are useless for your murder mystery because your players will only be confused by them, which you don't necessarily want. You don't want to confuse your players through the things that they are actually supposed to use, right? Yeah. Some clues may be a little bit unfinished that they don't yet have put together. And that is fine. That, that's where confusion comes from. That's where creativity and finding solutions come from. And that's where they will have to make theories. But confusions and theories are fine as long as the clues don't contradict each other. Yeah, the thing is, if you create confusion 
without you actually wanting to create confusion, that's a problem. Exactly. So, yeah, the first crime scene. What does it need? Obviously, the victim. The victim. Th there should be a victim. Some okay. people can investigate on. Yeah, it should be a victim. So let's take, an, let's take a rather classic example. Players are invited to a secret ball by a noble. There are 20 other people in there, 20 other nobles or something. And the players are invited as they saved him earlier in yeah. his life. There are next to the 21 nobles and the four players, let's say, so the 25 people in the estate on this island where you can only go by shipping boat or something. Or maybe there is a mansion deep inside the woods. So yeah. Exactly. There's a mansion. It's, it's yeah. remote. 25 people. And there are like 15 servants. Let's say that. Yeah. So you have a set of 40 people in this on this island. Maybe there are more people on this island. That's something you can make for your own mystery. But let's say we have these 40 people. And everyone has a place. And then the murder happens. Let's say the players are invited to like a weekend of festivities before his birthday. One of the other nobles gets murdered in his sleep. One of the servants notices first. He calls probably his headmaster. He will probably alert the host. Yeah, exactly. He will alert the host. And the host maybe alert the players, right? But the host will alert. Like at some point, everyone will be alert. So your players yeah. will know. That's the that's basically something that you can even narrate, right? That's before your players actually have to take any action. That's yeah. where the mystery starts. The first person that came in, NPC or player character, discovers that a crime has been committed. Then a certain chain reaction gets into place. And then when the chain reaction reaches your players, then your players get to do something. Most of the time, they will rush over to the crime scene. Yeah. So the crime scene will be the first thing that they can actually interact with in this mystery. So it needs to be big. That's why it needs to be big, right? It's the it's the compelling hook. Yeah, it needs to be detailed, but not over-detailed, yeah. but just the right amount. Because too much detail can lead away from the important clues. But you mm -hmm. need it to be detailed enough so it is compelling for the party to investigate further. Right, you don't need to talk about the color of the curtains if the curtains aren't important. But when you... Say, okay, you entered this room. There's a servant in the corner, basically making sure that no one touches anything, right? The the noble is very smart and made his servants say, nobody touch anything in this room. Your players yeah. rush into this room and they see this noble person lying on their bed, pierced with a knife through the chest. Yeah. So, and then they look around. And then if the curtains are not important, you don't, you can basically just say, well, there on the other side of the room, there's a window. There are curtains in front of the window. And when you look further to the right of that, there is this painting or something, right? And if it's not important, just keep to basic scene setting. Yeah, exactly. Basically. If you want to say there is a window, you could say the moonlight is shimmering yeah. through the window, partly because some uh, curtains are drawn before it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Done. Yeah, exactly. But you, but if the curtains are important, for example, because the window is open on a cold night, which wouldn't yeah. make sense for this noble to have the windows open when it's basically freezing outside, then you don't need to actually say, you then can basically hide your clues a, a little bit and not yeah. say, well, there's someone that has fled through the window. You can say there's an open window and the curtains uh, get pushed by the wind into the room and the freezing air comes to you, right? You basically... Draw them into the detail of the window is open. And then they yep. can deduce the window is open. Why is that? And then they can ask themselves that question. Why is that? They Because what, what detectives do is look for irregularities in the crime scene, right? They look for yeah. things that shouldn't be here if there wouldn't have been any crimes. So... Obviously, the murder, obviously, the, the the victim, the murder weapon maybe is there. But, for example, they look if someone has, has broken into the room. Yeah. If someone has made their way into the room with forced entry. If that isn't the case, that also means something, right? Sometimes uh, regularities mean something, too. Yeah. And, and that's the, a balancing act you need to find. Yeah. Because there not being any clue, obvious clues, can be a clue in itself. Yeah sometimes it, it's hard to balance it's a dangerous clue because if your players don't pick up on that clue yeah it could destroy i mean this leads back to the last episode this would be some sort of single point of failure which yeah. isn't good yeah 
But if it's an additional room or additional thing where there aren't any clues, which then is the clue, but you don't need mm. it to solve the mystery, that's something you can do. So basically what we've said now, the crime scene is very important. The first crime scene is very important. And that encompasses the description of that room, which we have now discussed. Basically, you should make sure that your players in the basic description of the room can pick up on where they should look for clues and then they can bait and then you let them do something and and that's very and, and that's very important i think because like let them then do their thing right let them find the clues however they want to find them so yep. th that's why i think not every character is made for murder mysteries and that's why you need to watch out for what group you have because Let's say every character will notice something different at first, right? If 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 we both walk down the street and uh, see a car moving by and, and whatnot or something, we may both notice the color first, but I might notice the license plate first, which is an irregularity for me, and you might notice that the tires are wrong, whatever, right? Yeah. We notice different things first, and, and I think that's important for what your players look for first. Yeah. The obvious choice is the victim with the murder weapon let's say the murder weapon is still there okay yeah for simplicity so the murder so they notice this body first with the knife in his chest so they will probably go over there and then with that body they will check for things how long has it been dead were there any signs of struggle can can you see that there were signs of struggle did he was was he killed in his sleep what what is this knife is it from the kitchen is it self brought into the manor or whatever right maybe yeah. people were only let in maybe even the players had to give their weapons away and they weren't allowed weapons inside so if someone brings a knife into the manor that's a problem for them right Definitely. No one is allowed to bring weapons into the estate, and someone did. That's something interesting. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they, they will look for something and, and let them look for everything that they want to look for. And, and sometimes it's very much okay to tell them, no, there is nothing to find here. Also, when players basically finish the crime scene and are going in circles on what they should do next tell them that they are finished. Sometimes they will look for things that are not there, and sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it's okay when they want to when when they have the superstition and want to check for that superstition and it is proven wrong that helps them. But sometimes those superstitions will just slow the game down, grind to a halt, and maybe even make the game boring for some other players or you. So yeah. you can say to your players, okay, you have investigated this crime scene, you have found all the clues you can find right now, what do you do now? Yeah, and then they will get nudged into a certain direction away from the finished scene, but not railroading them towards a specific scene you want them to be. Let me ask this question. What do you think about the number of clues on the first crime scene? Hmm. Hmm. It's difficult. Is it? There shouldn't it shouldn't be <laughs> too many clues. Yeah. But I think there should be a clue on how the victim was murdered. Mm-hmm how the person got in and how they got out mm -hmm. and and maybe around the struggle if they if it was a surprise or not or if there was a fight or something a little bit about the circumstances the getting in part and the getting away part mm -hmm. yeah i not think too much else because this can be a little overwhelming at first then. yeah I mean, definitely the important things for me are definitely entry and exit. I think everyone in the modern world has watched crime thriller in their lives, heard about them or played a game or something. Those are the things you check for, right? Yeah. And so is there a sign of entry? Is there a sign of exit? The circumstances of the death. Were they killed in their sleep? Did they struggle? Whatever, right? What was the murder weapon? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and those are the things that are important in my opinion, yes. But I think adding more clues that are not easily explained yet are very cool. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, okay, but there are these irregularities that you cannot explain yet that cause a little bit of confusion, but add the mystery part of it, right? It adds this certain mystery part when you can't explain all the clues Right? You you may not find the murderer the murderer just from the signs of entry, exit, and the circumstances of death, but they are all pretty much explainable for your players. Or they should yeah. be. And then you have some clues that basically make no sense yet, but maybe make sense later on if they follow through with that clue. Yeah. But I think, especially for the number of clues, like you said, it can't be too much clues. You can't yeah. overwhelm your players at, at the beginning. I think you need at least three. 
because of the cir uh, circumstance entry and exit. And then maybe one or two more, which can't be explained yet. I, I, I believe you should never go above a seven for me. Yeah. Because that's basically how... Well, I don't go over a seven. You certainly can. Not to say you can't. But I structure my, my games like after a certain pattern, which we will explain in a bit, which is why I never go over seven clues in the first scene. Or in yeah. any scene, actually. Yeah, because it, it, if it gets too crowded with clues, mm -hmm. you have so much that you need to cross-reference and connect, mm -hmm. which then can get lost in these connection stages and mm -hmm. um, theory crafting stages, which can then lead to the murder mystery not being solvable because there were too many clues, which maybe even contradict each other and stuff. Try mm -hmm. to keep it as simple as, as possible, but add as much as you want within this confined number, yeah. whatever it may be for you. Well, what needs to be said about this is go all out on this first scene. Yeah. Oftentimes, this first scene can basically write the whole rest of the murder mystery for you. You don't even have to have it planned because this first scene, from there, your players derive everything they do. The, the first scene is make or break. Yeah, exactly. That's the basis for everything. If the first scene doesn't make sense, the rest will never make sense. If the first scene, like the first clues your players will have are the ones they will work with. So those are the ones they will take for granted. Yeah. And the and only way where you, how you can make them not take them for granted is by explicitly proving to them that the clues are not anymore to be taken for granted by yeah. a way better different clue somewhere else. And now we discussed at length the first scene that you need to work on pretty good. But then let me ask you the question, what is your step-by-step -step process of building a murder mystery? And why is it that way? Okay, so you know this, but I, I've touched on it, I think, a few episodes back, the decision tree, which... Mm -hmm. Isn't the case here, right? But I built the murder mystery a little bit like a tree, you could say. Mm -hmm. You have the first crime scene at the top, and then every clue, or every, rather, let's say every lead, right? Every lead. Some clues can maybe just amplify one lead instead of opening up a new one. But every clue, or every lead, leads to a next scene, or to a next scenario. S some path they will take, right? Yeah. And then you can derive from the first scene, like, let's say, four different next scenes that they can go to right in a time frame right this is either one of those gets picked next hopefully or those are the ones that the leads you plan go to yeah if your players go somewhere else that's fine too right then, then you need to make shit up but that's not a problem we know we, most people can do that no problem and we talked about this uh, improvisation in another episode of wm podcast so if you're not sure about how to do it give it a listen well, i mean we have made so many episodes that we basically can reference them all the time <laughs> Yeah, isn't it amazing? Um, it is amazing. So stay with us. Just improvise a bit then. That's not a problem for you. I trust you. You can do this. And well, you have these then, let's say four, four different next scenes or scenarios or stories, whatever, four paths go from the first scene. And then for every scene, you basically do the same as if it would be the first scene, not, not the first crime scene, but a scene. So what do they gather from this? And then they gather new clues or new leads that then go somewhere else. And then you can also connect them between each other, right? You can connect the four leads that go from the first scene, like the first lead actually connects to the second lead so they both converge into the, the same next scene or the first lead converges directly into the second scene as well so so you build this kind of tree structure where when you have one root everything goes from there somewhere you have dead ends like some clues just end in nothingness which is okay yep. too because that only gives your players a clue from this is not the case all the theories that are along this line cannot be true which is good and then they can basically go back and then it all converges at some point back to one single thing and that's the murderer or or basically the the completion of this case finding the murderer with the murder weapon and proving them guilty most yeah. of the time and yeah so that's basically how i built them and that's why i don't put too many clues ev everywhere because with too many clues there will be too many leads there will be too much to plan for me and that's not good <laughs> yeah with that first scene you basically have okay 
They entered using lockpicks. So you could say the first lead is investigating the lockpicks. How you would do that is, is a different thing, right? But that, that's the first lead. The second lead is they went outside the window. So you look. The second lead is go outside the window and look what to find there in the garden, for example. The third scene is, okay, this is a kitchen knife that's been used as a murder weapon. So investigate the kitchen. Fourth lead could always be the person that found the crime scene. Because they are all they, they can always be suspect number one. Yeah. They were the first to discover the body. So they were... So theoretically, they could have killed. Theoretically. So then you have four leads. And then you can... Okay, then you know, okay, the lockpick thing doesn't lead anywhere. Everyone has lockpicks in this manner. Why ever, right? Boom. Lockpicks aren't really for you to find anymore. The uh, servant that discovered the body, however, tells you that they've actually heard some late night things from this room. Like, like they were having sex with somebody. Sexual intercourse. Then they went to check in the morning or something or whatever, right? And and then you can investigate that sexual intercourse. That's a new lead. And maybe even you will, you're outside, you find that someone fled and it, you have some other clues that lead to sexual intercourse. So you have these two leads converging into one lead. And then that lead converges with another one at some point to the murderer. And that's how I build my murder mysteries. Are you any different? Yeah, I start from the end, mm. basically. So the first thing I do is decide who is the murderer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Give him uh, who he is, why is he doing this, and what happens when they are caught. Mm -hmm. So basically I start with the end, and one thing I usually try to do is... I try to make them unique and memorable without them sticking out like a th sore thumb. Yeah. That's difficult to make something memorable, but still blend into the uh, whole setting. And that would be my second thing. So if, uh, if I have my murderer, then I move on to the setting. I try to create a reason why the party is there and try to get them there before the murder happens. Mm -hmm. So they are already there. Because it is, I think, a really interesting and important thing for a murder mystery that the players can be suspects as well. It just keeps the tension up a bit. Yeah. Then I create a reason why no one can leave or no one can call the authorities or whatsoever in the case of the mansion. Technically, they could leave, but even if the authorities are noticed, it would take several hours, if not days, to get there. So there's some sort of closed-off space. Mm -hmm. And then I create the cast of NPCs. Mm -hmm. They should all be interesting, diverse, and unique to make the murderer blend in. Exactly, that's how you make them blend in, right? If everyone is certainly unique or has something unique about them, you make them blend in. And I think a decent amount of the NPCs should have a potential motive or a potential capability of being the killer mm -hmm. because then you have the ability to throw in red herrings or lead them or give them leads to a innocent person which still would have a motive but didn't do it. So they need to check with other clues they find to find the real murderer. Mm -hmm. And the more NPCs relevant to the murder or the more NPCs in general you have, the more convoluted the mystery plot gets, basically. So keep that in mind. If you just throw in too many NPCs, it's a lot of you... Uh, it's a lot for you to prep because you need to prep those NPCs. Those are important. And too many stories, too many leads, like you said, it just would branch out too much mm. and would be a nightmare to handle. Yeah. And a step three, I add the clues. Mm -hmm. This is basically my last step before then playing it out. The first one and the obvious one would be the murder weapon. Mm -hmm. because it's most likely the first and biggest clue the party finds. And it can give you a lot of information about the murderer itself because... If he uses a knife, the murderer isn't afraid to get close and personal with someone. If he uses poison, for example, it would mean the murderer is less confrontational and has a reason to hide in the shadows. Yeah. That can sometimes um, directly cross out several suspects. Then I create other suspects because suspects are clues in this case sometimes to mm -hmm. interrogate, interview and cross-check their stories. And I like to make the NPCs interact with each other, the environment, and the party to make it feel alive and not just they are just mm -hmm. standing there until the party gets to them and talks to them. It needs to feel organic. And sometimes mm -hmm. I add skill checks, but skill checks shouldn't uh, should only make a, the mystery easier to solve and not harder if they fail or not impossible if they fail. Mm -hmm. Coming back to the single point of failure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically, then I take write all this down and then we can play. Yeah. Uh, so basically, we both have the exact opposite of each other because you start yeah. with the murderer and make everything compelling around them, and I basically start with the most compelling first scene and then derive the murderer from that. Right. 
like I'm, I write the scene then from that I derive the personality of that murder and from that I then have my then then I can derive my cast of characters where he can blend in then I and then all of that stuff right yeah um what what I definitely want to say though is big advice for from my part for this is if your players come up with something better than you have planned I throw my plan out of the window. Yeah, just use the new one. And, and and the thing is, I don't have one set plan, right? I have the first scene where basically everything is set. And after that, my players can do whatever they want. I have planned some scenes that then some leads that basically lead to the murderer. But if my players go outside that structure, I don't give a fuck. I just move whatever they want to investigate. They are there. And, and I'm not saying the quantum ogre or whatever and move the scene there. But if they want to investigate... This sort of thing, I will just make it up so it either leads to that murderer or just someone new. Yeah. Like, I'm, at the end, they just need to find a murderer. And it needs to make sense that they found this murderer from the beginning. And yeah. it, it doesn't matter who that murderer is because the players will never know what you've actually have planned as long as you don't tell them. Mm-hmm. So at the end, the most important part for a murder mystery, in my opinion, is that it makes sense in its own right. Right? Yeah. If we play D&D... There's magic involved. There's certain things involved that we just don't have in our world. So it obviously don't doesn't make that much sense. But a system only needs to make sense in that system itself. So the murder mystery should be cohesive. It should be explainable. It should be something yeah. that your players can actually grasp. So they can actually get into the fun of solving it. And yeah, then you just have whatever you have, right? Uh, I just rem- uh, uh, remembered one thing. Yeah. That- can make a murder mystery quite more enticing mm-hmm. to investigate is mm-hmm. to let the murderer strike again and again and again to create urgency. Yeah, that's definitely something. You have a lot of tools to play with in a murder mystery. Yeah. Time is a big one, right? This murderer, like the next, let's say again with this manor on an island thing, the next ship arrives in two days. He can hop on and disappear and he will never be seen again. You need to find him before that. You can play with a limited amount of resources. Like I said, you can basically take the players, their weapons away. Yeah, They can't confront someone or they have to make makeshift weapons to confront someone, which is interesting. And you have all these certain tools to play with to make it just that bit more different from what they you, what you normally play. And one other thing I wanted to say is something which, which is very important to think about in murder mysteries. Because no matter how you structure the murder mystery, it's a reactive part on players. It's yeah. your players have to reconstruct and follow a murderer. So it can feel like they are basically following a path you lay before them. Even if you don't. Because your players will follow certain leads, certain things to certain points. And they will arrive at some outcome. And they only see the path they took. And that could feel linear to them, even if it isn't, right? But every path they take is linear. But murder mysteries are players reconstructing something and following this construct they made. Mm -hmm. So it's very different from other sessions where, for example, with the highest session players had all the agency basically to make whatever they want with the playing ground you give them this time you must give them something compelling that makes them follow a certain not a certain but you need to make something compelling for them to follow a lead and the lead can lead wherever you want wherever they or you wanted to lead right but they need to follow something, which sometimes yeah. can be something that players don't want because murder mysteries make them feel like I now have to follow this mystery while I would rather much do something different with my player character. So yeah, murder mysteries are something where I think you need to have player buy and They need to be willing to solve this mystery because if they yeah. don't, they won't. And if they try, even though they don't want, it will probably not be good. It will won't feel compelling for either side of the DM screen, you will feel like you've wasted a lot of time on this because murder mysteries can be a lot of time investment. Can it be a big time oh, investment? Yeah. Oh, if yeah. you want the to planning. put in really many things, right? You can only give some things and then just wing it. That's also possible. But still, there can be a lot of time investment. Yeah. One tool you have to make it compelling mm-hmm. is 
if the player characters bonded with with some of the NPCs at the party beforehand because they were in, uh, friends beforehand and then yeah. both got invited separately, make one of the NPCs the victim. And suddenly a friend of them is uh, was murdered and they probably want to yeah. find out who did it yeah. to right the wrong someone committed. Yeah, you, you can definitely make your players invested, but your players it's themselves need to buy into the idea of a murder mystery because it can be a certain switch since you are basically following a murderer, you're reconstructing how they did it, where they are now and how to find them. And that can be very different from people saying, hey, I want to venture out and solve the mystery of the lost dragon or something. And and, and, yeah. and, and it can be a big switch to, diff to, to normal campaigns sometimes. And sometimes that needs to be discussed. That Sometimes that needs to be asked. Are you okay with that switch? Are you willing to play this murder mystery? And if they are... They are, right? And that's the most important thing for DMs. You don't make that decision for them. If your players are not invested in your hyper-invested murder mystery, your murder mystery will fail. So yeah, as with all things TTRPG, player buy-in, player investment is important. They need to be willing to play this. Yeah. So yeah. But they are very good to showcase that. if you Because if they are not invested, it will definitely fail. Because they just won't be able to follow the lead you give them. So, I believe that we've covered at least everything of my notes. Do you have I, anything else? Nope. Just my step forward, be play it out, have fun, use your notes. And yeah. if something grinds to a halt, nudge them in the right direction without forcing them yeah. on a specific path and you're yeah. good. Pa pacing control is important for, 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 yeah. for murder mysteries, I would say. But at the same time, giving your players enough time to theorize. That, that's yeah. something, right? You should make your players actually follow the leads but they should give them time where they can theorize and maybe even create new leads right they need to yeah. think about this they need to make sense of everything in their head if they don't then it just then it, then it will feel like they've been just pushed somewhere but you can't push them and tell them guys you've been theorizing for 30 minutes now you won't get any closer than you are right now yeah without making random guesses and one good thing about murder mysteries they can't sometimes Sometimes feel a bit railroady. Yeah. But one thing about murder mysteries is you can always go back and follow a different lead you have. Yeah. So you can explore multiple paths leading to maybe the same outcome, but yeah. through different ways. So yeah. that might not feel as railroaded as before. So there, there is a possibility to tone down the, yeah, I was forced down that one path thing. Mm. Because you can always go back and follow the different lead you got from a different clue. Yeah. To maybe come out at the exact uh, or come to the same exact conclusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Then I think that's a wrap on this episode, though. Yeah. Like that that's basically all we wanted to talk about, and I think we've given a good overview of what we think of murder mysteries, how to play them, how to plan them, how to work with them, and I hope people enjoyed this. I hope you found anything new. I hope we made you think on this, and we will see you guys next week. Go check out Twitter and Instagram for us. Both are at WDMPod. You can check out our website, www.wdm.com. And you can also donate to us on Ko-Fi if you feel like we earned a simple small donation from you. You appreciate your listening, your support. Give us a review on podcasting platforms wherever you want. Follow us there as well. And we will hear you guys next week. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.